Uh, this is podcast number 315, entitled Top of the World. And it makes uh, an argument, but in a new form and with some new resources that uh, one has made before concerning the um, uh, urgency and um, anchoring of romantic love in a person's life of all shapes and conditions, a universal truth as I see it concerning human, what is now called flourishing. I would just call it human um, happiness. And I make the argument, and then I offer a kind of, uh, uh, it may appear to be a little bit of an imperative, but it's a, it's an imperative born out of a very um, personal and real experience, both in the world of popular art and in my own, you know, little um, personal movement through this uh, veil of tears. And um, we played On Top of the World by the Carpenters, which is just a touching, lovely uh, song about a woman who has fallen in love and is now feeling on top of the world. And... um, the uh, image is uh, she's in such fulfillment and in such joy at the connection with the man she loves and who obviously loves her that she has somehow transcended and has received the kind of God's eye view looking down on the rest of her life and activities um, as being fine and good and so forth and so on. But she's actually on top of the world. She's, she, she's, she's beyond all the slings and arrows of, uh, of normal everything everyday experience in a place of the, the very best possible detachment, which gives her uh, profound serenity and, and uh, r- remarkable uh, peace um, and simply happy belovedness. And I want to ask you about this. To, I, I mean, D- David Zoll's wonderful book, Seculosity, now in its second edition, um, has um, so much to say about this. We are under an enormous illusion, especially in the second third of the three-thirds of life, which is something you can read about in the Boomer Handbook. That an illusion by which we believe that we can find our stabile, our, our, our stable place, our uh, place of, of, of anchoring and peace in uh, the changing um, circumstances of the world, especially based on our own performance and atta- uh, uh, achievement. And that is manifestly false because, A, uh, our achievement is never what it ought to be in terms of the ideal. And secondly, once we have something, it inevitably is taken away, if only by the dehydration and desiccation and uh, really falling apart of our human bodies, nothing that we have, no privilege, no achieved um, estimable um, place is uh, not susceptible to the slings and arrows. And what we find, uh, what I have found, both in pastoral experience, in personal life, and uh, Everywhere I turn where there are voices that seem to me to have authority, we find that the only thing that is absolutely unchallengeable by the um, changing time and tide of fortune is uh, accident, circumstance, is... um, is belovedness. That is the one thing. And when we have it, we should hold on to it uh, with all um, joy, which most people do. Once they have it, they know it. And if we don't have it, we should pray for it. And I want to, this short podcast has two messages. First, um, let's hang on to what we've got. You know, we've got a lot. Um, 
the singer in Top of the World and in any number of romantic ballads. If I, if I don't have you, I've got nothing. But if I have you, I have everything. And then you can uh, approach together the challenges and the hurts and the losses of life, but you're not alone and you have that connection with the other which is reflected in the body, in the mind, and in the spirit. Um, and uh, the soul. And this is the essence of the truth of life. So please remember that. I, I keep saying this to people, but and they never challenge it because everybody knows it's true deep down, but they don't act on it. And I understand that, of course, because the other is very seductive and appears to be true, but it's simply not true. It's, it's false. It's a falsehood that we can find our place in anything short of a uh, of a relationship of mutual love, uh, romantic love, because that is that, you know, um, in heart, body, and mind, the uh, the wedding. Everybody wants to be married. Uh, I, I know you are going to say, well, you know, what about me? What about that? What about this? But let's just say that this is what everybody deep down wants, because your life expresses it. You, I remember I've, three different cases in recent times, like in the last three weeks, I've heard about people who I know who made um, jagged, sudden moves in their careers or in their lives, moving 3,000 miles, 10,000 miles, or nowhere, based upon the hope of actually finding someone who loved them, whether it was through the internet or whether it was through somebody they met or heard about or somebody in the past, uh, people who have made jagged uh, radical decisions because deep down the desire for connection magical connection john sebastian john b sebastian um that proved to be more powerful than anything uh else and their lives simply acted on it even if it was against their ideology. I often wonder about all these, you know, activists, these social activists. It, 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 won't the need for a boyfriend or a girlfriend at some point irrationally trump their ideological commitments? Because that's ultimately going to, that will out, that will come out. And I, I would love to know what the attrition rate on social activists is when they actually, quote, meet somebody. Now, um, you're going to say, and you have every right to say it, well, what about the person that doesn't have this and has tried? What about what about me? I've, you know, you, you say to yourself, I've, I've looked, I'm unhappily married, or I married the wrong person, or I'm un, unequally yoked, or I'm, I, gosh, I would love what you're talking about, Paul. Nothing would make me happier than to have someone who really loves me for who I am, and I can love them for who I am, and we can have complete physical, emotional, and spiritual fulfillment. But I've never found such a person. I've tried and tried and tried. I've sweated, I've sweated, I've sweated. I've waited and waited and waited, and I've never found. And I'm going to say to you something that may sound like an imperative, but it's actually and indicative. Um, something, it's very possible that your prayer to God for this connection has been marred. Something is wrong about the way you're approaching it. You're going to say, oh my gosh, is Paul saying that it's my fault? You know, or that if I just prayed right, I'd get it. Is there some kind of mechanical, you know, quid pro quo with God? Isn't that the opposite of the gospel? No, no, no. This is a description. I find I've seen it myself, that it's very rare that one really prays for what one really wants and what really needs and prays without condition. It's actually simply where you may say you prayed, I may say I want, I, may, I need, but it's actually quite rare in life that someone really lays down 
all conditions and simply talks to God and says, please, I need your help. I cannot solve this problem on my own. I, I don't know what to say. I'm completely at a loss. I've tried everything. I cannot solve it. Will you please help me? Because you alone can. But I know you can. I believe you can. Now, that may sound a little Paula Whitish, um, but it's really, uh, as I said, it's, it's, a, it's an indicative. Um, I've simply noticed this. Let me give you two examples and then a third, and then I'm finished with a beautiful song from 1964 that is a tearjerker as far as I'm concerned. Um, There's a movie called Miracle in the Rain with Jane Wyman and Van Johnson that uh, came out in uh, uh, 19... Oh, uh, gosh, I want to say 47, something like that. And in the movie, a completely unchurched and rather feckless young woman who has never really thought beyond just getting through her life with her very ill and demanding mother has fallen in love, truly. And she has been loved, truly. But the object of her love has been killed. You may say it's a spoiler, but we're talking 1947 for crying out loud. Um, Her true love has been killed. And she is brought by a friend, really beautiful evangelism here. She's brought by a friend to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And the friend is Catholic and very lovingly prays in a corner and lets her, her, her friend, the heroine played by Jane Wyman, just walk around and see if anything speaks to her. And interestingly enough, as this very unchurched young woman who's never been, in, almost, almost never been in a church, as it turns out, she's drawn rather mystically to a statue of St. Andrew, sort of in a side chapel in the corner, which is in the dark. And she has this immediate transference in this peaceful environment, which I think is open still now in COVID for private prayer. I can't wait to to go in and see the statue, which I believe is still there. And she's drawn to the statue in the dark, and she identifies with this person in the dark. She sees herself as having been cast out somehow in the dark by this death of the one person, the one thing she loved in her entire life. And she actually says a prayer. The prayer goes like this. I don't know exactly, I don't know who you are, she says. Something about you, I, I, I want to just want to tell you this. Why did God allow this? If there is a God, why did he, well, why did things happen? Like, why was art killed and my life destroyed? And, and, and here I am. And uh, I, I just have to tell you. And it's a prayer that is to a statue. And yet is a real prayer. She is absolutely transparent in the moment. Unlike any other moment in the movie, she actually speaks from her real heart. And in this brilliant movie and a brilliant book that is based on by Fred Hecht, she, um, the, the prayer is answered. The prayer is answered almost immediately, both at the level of the inward peace and serenity she receives and something far stronger that comes straight out of, as it were, nowhere to answer her prayer really profound movie. And then there's another one called A Miracle of the Bells, which I think was made in 1952, but it was based on a 1947 novel, which you must read. You can get it on Kindle, called The Miracle of the Bells by Russell Janney. The character in the movie played by Fred McMurray um, is at a loss. He's also lost the only woman he's ever loved, the only person he's ever really loved, and uh, she's dead. And the movie starts with, with her being dead. And uh, he's completely undone because he never actually told her what he really felt when she was alive. And here he is with her accompanying her casket to be buried in her hometown, which he would no more go to than fly to the moon. But for her, in his mind, he's doing it. And it, he's completely at a loss, finally. He's, it's not going well. And he finds himself, he's a very lapsed Catholic, praying 
for a reason to St. Michael. He's not even in the church. He suddenly, he just, this idea occurs to him. You know, he says, I'm, I don't know who I'm praying to or what I'm praying, but I'm, this is bad. I, I need your help, St. Michael. I've been told that you're the St. Michael of the archangels. I, I don't even know who I'm talking to, but I need help. And it's powerful. And the prayer is immediately answered. Now, um, what about you? I mean, seriously, um, if you're alone, whether you're uh, 18 or 80, and it's, if you've had love in your life, you probably will only get it once. If you're 80, don't pray for a substitute, because if, even if you had one, you're going to get sick or she's going to get sick. It may be nice to go to dinner. I know all that. But the reality of the fact is, if you had it, give thanks forever. And if you don't have it, pray along Fred McMurray and um, Jane Wyman lines, or even to me. I was um, I was really conscious of a kind of drifting back into kind of a somewhat depressed lethargy not so long ago, and I actually did pray. I think I was um, walking around the track uh, where I live, and um, I think I actually did say something like, you know, God, I'm going to pray a little bit like Jane Wyman or Fred McMurray uh, right now. I, I'm I'm a little unsure of to whom I'm praying, but I'm I, I really need your help. This this is not giving way, uh, but you can do it. And I I really am asking sincerely because I'm this is bigger than I am. And exactly two days later, I had a fall and I was um, really a bad fall. And as I was on the ground, I hurt my head. And um, I immediately had this thought, this is the answer to your prayer. And the song by uh, John Lennon came into my mind. It's called Instant Karma. You may remember it. It's like, oh, shine on. You know, oh, give me a break. But nevertheless, the first line goes something to the effect of, you got that bang on the head, now you're asking. You got that bang on your head to snap you out of it. He's, he's saying something in your life banged you in the head, and now you're able to ask, you know, you're, you've been snapped out of your, your inertia. Um, and now you can see things as they are. It's a brilliant first uh, stanza of, of instant karma. And even as I was lying on the floor crying out to Mary, who was only two rooms away, fortunately, I... Um, I thought, you know, this is the answer to the prayer. Now, you're going to say, oh, how can God answer a prayer? Well, I don't know how God can either, but he did. Time-wise, indicatively, he answered the prayer with a walloping thump on the back of the head. And the blow that he has given, I think that's in Isaiah, you know, the blow that you have given, O Lord. And I immediately said, this is the answer to my prayer. Well, it proved to be, for reasons I could go into, it proved to be a direct answer to my prayer on Saturday was my thump on the head on Tuesday. And look at you. Now, Now, I mean, again, um, we've talked about the power of this over against any other sort of narrative of life's happiness. Now, look at you in terms of, you know, whether you have love, I mean, whether you don't have love at all, you're single uh, for whatever reason and whatever age, and you desperately want the connection of which I speak, you would love to have it. Or um, you, 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 uh, it, it's not going well, or you, you, you you're longing to. There are many ways, but I'm specifically speaking to you who don't have what I'm talking about and would like it, male, female, wherever you are. Um, I'm saying that see these movies and think about the actual prayer that you've prayed. I would not be surprised indicatively that your prayer for those, that, that connection that you most devoutly hope for, wish for in Shakespearean terms, you've actually probably not prayed in the way that I'm speaking about it. You, you, you may have um, uh, 
just th th ask yourself the question, have you really prayed unconditionally, without condition, without proviso, on your knees, without any kind of codicil or PS or special uh, ingredient or special um, condition on what you're asking. But if you simply said, you know, Lord, I can't handle this at all, at all, uh, oh, help me in this particular problem, which is the lacuna of love in my actual felt experience. I am deeply unhappy um, and I have not been able to solve this problem. Um, Please, I, I believe that you are the God of grace and glory and send an answer to me. Now, it may not be the exact thing that you're wanting, but believe me, almost immediately, and this is, this is an indicative that I can give in my life many times. Mary and I can give many examples, not just one or two, but five or six of prayers answered in this way. And so I ask you to examine your prayer indicatively, not an imperative, and then consider seeing these movies or just listening to what I've said and pray to God about this problem. And um, also note that what is most important is not your outward circumstances and some attempt to find um, a place to stand that is of your own creation. Hypnotic as that vision may appear to be, by comparison at least with others, but rather the... Um, utter need for romantic, what I call romantic connection. And I, I'm unapologetic about it. I mean, I've listened to enough music to know that 99.9% .9 of the music I know uh, puts us um, in a place over and above the circumstances of life when we find this connection. And to, to wit, uh, the podcast is over when we hear I'll Never Find Another You by The Seekers. And um, it's sort of old-fashioned uh, kind of late folk music, but it was a top 10 song in 64. The Beatles had come. It was British Invasion, believe it or not. Hey there, Georgie girl. Well, the same group did I'll Never Find Another You. And listen to the lyrics. And if you don't, um, if you don't find these lyrics moving and important and hopefully emotionally moving, as um, Rod Stewart said of those who had never heard the song... Uh, Baby, I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. He said, well, if you don't know the song Baby, I'm Amazed, then I don't know where you've been. Well, if this song doesn't hit you between the eyes, uh, albeit a little ancient in format, well, then um, you need to see Miracle in the Rain <laughs> um, and talk to me. Uh, love you so much. And uh, here we have the Seekers on their pathway. Love you.
another